Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Everything is Brand. We are really honored and happy that we have a special guest, uh, Cheryl Cran. So she's joining us for the podcast today on the future of work and brand. Cheryl Cran is a future of work expert and founder of nextmapping.com. She's the author of nine books, including the second edition of Next Mapping, Anticipate, Navigate, and Create the Future of Work, and its companion workbook. And we actually worked with Cheryl on the name Next Mapping and on the positioning of Next Mapping. But she is also the number one future of work influencer and an international award-winning consultant. She's been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, Metro New York, CBS, and more. So Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us today. And we're really happy to talk about the future with you. Thanks, Brad. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Good. Okay. So we want to jump right into it because the team has a lot of questions for you and we really want to get your perspective on what's going to happen based (laughs) on everything that's going on. Uh, So we'd really love to start by asking you, based on how things are going right now and everything that we're kind of finding our way through, how do you think the work landscape is going to change over the next few years? Well, first of all, I'd like to brag and say that we predicted 10 years ago that 50% of the workforce would be remote working by the year 2020. Now, we did not predict a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) as one of the reasons for it happening, but all signs and all the pattern research that we had done and pattern recognition was pointing towards a automated future uh, where we were going to have more automation, more robotics, more technology innovation which meant that people would were uh, looking to work remotely. And prior to the pandemic, a lot of organizations were beginning to make movements towards a remote work culture. Now what's happened is it's forced it. So we're definitely going to see a future that continues to be remote work focused. What we're going right. to see with that is the requirement for leaders to lead very differently than they've led before. We're going to see a lot more self-managed teams. We're going to see organizations resort to a more holacracy-type leadership and a sociocracy-type leadership. Again, this is things that we've written about. I've written about in my books and that we've talked about. The future of work is going to be more worker-led versus corporation-led. And mm-hmm. I'll pause there and uh, just let it leave it open for further exploration. Yeah. Nice, nice. And 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 based on on that, so when you talk about worker led, what do you think are some of the elements that will change when things are worker led as opposed to corporation led or employer? Yeah, I, well, first of all, we're going to see an increase in the gig economy. We're going to see a lot more workers saying, "You know what? I don't really want to work for one corporation. I want multi uh, industry experience. So I'm going to work for a number of organizations as a contractor, as a freelancer." And doing that in a way that helps them build their knowledge base, but also increases their future options. So worker-led means that even with the current situation that we're in, and yes, I'm very aware of the numbers of unemployment in the U.S. and Canada currently during the pandemic, that notwithstanding, we're seeing that there's still going to be a worker shortage when things go back to a next normal. So it's not going to go back to what it was. It'll go to a next normal. And that next normal is going to be a very different environment where workers are going to say, this is how much I want to work. I want to work remotely as part of my job description. This is how I want to be compensated based on this new reality. So workers are going to dictate how they want to work and organizations are going to still have to find talented people and organizations are going to have to meet the demand of the worker and how they want to work. And uh, that's just a new reality that organizations have been adapting to prior to this, but now really looking to how do we attract the best talent 
by having a worker-focused environment versus a corporate-focused environment. So Cheryl, what do you think will be important for branders and marketers to know about this new reality? Yeah, I think it changes the brand. It, well, it doesn't change, but it shifts the brand discussion, right? Um, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times when we look at brand, of course, and, and working with you guys, we know your process is really in depth and you look at all the angles, but you look at crowdsourcing your client base and all those things that you guys do really well. I think brand now needs to have that message of here's how we're a worker-led organization. We are worker-led because we do have a remote work policy. We are worker-led because we do want you to tell us how we're doing and how well we do it. We're worker-led because we're making you a shareholder for the company. We're worker-led because we're letting you work gig if you want to. So it's a message of how we're partnering with workers versus trying to just recruit people, which has been the message in the past. It's been all about recruitment. And I have a bit of a pet peeve around the word talent because it's all been about talent, which depersonalizes what we're really talking here, which is about people. So brand is going to have to be a deeper human people focused connection, I believe now and in the future to, to meet those goals of not just connecting with clients, but connecting with that worker that you're trying to attract. And would you say Cheryl, that um, people aren't really going to take, um, on unauthentic messaging and and all of those kinds of elements. They're not going to take that anymore. They're going to expect things to be really truthful and honest and straightforward. Yeah. I mean, with the plethora of fake news and the environment that we've been bombarded with, with fake news, people are really sensitive to alignment and integrity, which comes Mm -hmm. down to authenticity. So they're looking for that brand, people not just putting on brand, but living the brand, being the brand, delivering the brand. I know in Next Mapping, one of the the things that's worked really well for us once we branded to that with you guys was the fact that the brand completely aligned with what we were about, which was helping people get to what's next. So if the brand doesn't align, people are not, you don't have time anymore to win people over. The brand has to land instantly and authentically and, and that people get it right away and they get the value proposition right away from the brand. Speaking on the organization level, will the structure of how we work change with different hours, more remote work, like you've said, or anything else? Oh, all of the above. Yes. So first of all, the workforce, you know, we, you know, I I got the question the other day around real estate. What does that mean for corporate real estate? Well, a lot of organizations pre-pandemic were already looking at sort of what is a a remote work workplace look like? You know, what's the percentage of workers that work in office? What's the percentage that would work remotely? How do we do that? Well, that requires a whole remote work policy, which a lot of companies are looking at now. So work is going to be, I think, more of an a la carte versus there's only one way to work. So I believe in the future, it's going to be, do you want to work full-time remote or do you want to work in office 50% of the time, remotely 50% of the time? Are you suited for that type of work? So I see, I think we're going to see a bigger alignment around personality and work style and the type of work that best suits them. Interesting anecdote for the time we're in right now is introverts are thriving during the pandemic. Why? They do better working alone and solitary, unless, of course, they've got their children at home. That's a different story. But but generally, an introvert 
is, is really thriving right now. It's the extroverts that are struggling because they thrive in a person-to-person -person hive of activity in an in-office environment. Already we're seeing, you know, in the, in the sort of ease back post-pandemic, we're seeing organizations looking at reduced numbers of people in the office. And I think that trend is going to continue. I think we're going to see less warm bodies in offices and more of this hybrid of remote. And I also think office use is going to be more of a we work type structures. So you're going to have these pods of groups that come in for projects. They'll still work, you know, again, hybrid, remote and in office. And I also see offices, uh, corporate real estate looking at almost like Airbnb for residents. We're going to see Airbnb for corporate, mm -hmm. where you're going to be able to make use of space beyond how it's currently being used. So lots of changes coming and very quickly. Yeah, you, you've talked a lot about the way it's going to influence uh, businesses. Uh, I was wondering if we, um, if the idea of uh, future pandemics will change the way governments actually conduct themselves. Yeah, that's a great question. In what way? Give me more. You mean generally or do you mean around work? I mean, generally, yes. And I think more specifically about work, that would be a great connection to what we, uh, what we have addressed before. Yes. So generally with government, like we're already seeing this, right? So government has been saying, everybody stay inside. And then what we've had for the last week is a revolt. People are like, they've had enough. It's been eight weeks and people are, you know, and, and you know, they're, it's just like people, you, you know, everybody's restless. And so people are going to go to that innate, uh, you know, personal behavior. So government, I believe, similar to the, the worker led corporate, we're going to see uh, citizen-led government. And we've all been heading there. I mean, in Canada, we're very fortunate because we do live a true democracy. But we're going to see generally more um, more of a, uh, what we've been seeing with the with the money that's been funded for small business and for, uh, you know, the, the healthcare workers and the essential services. From a government employment standpoint, gosh, they have a lot of work to do to catch up to the future of work. And I can say that because they've been my clients and, and are some of my clients. And what I mean by that is a lot of traditional industries such as government, finance, insurance, they have been so strict in how they've structured the workplace that they've had a challenge in adapting to the remote work reality of, of, what, of what's had to happen recently. But also they're having trouble attracting and retaining talent or people because they're so restrictive in how you work for them and with them. So I've been saying for years, the two places where it's going to be most painful as employers is going to be government and unions. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is the structure is not flexible and conducive to where we're going for the future of work. Doesn't mean that you can't modernize those institutions, but there's a lot of leadership that needs to be made to loosen up and have them meet this remote work reality, but also meet the flexible work reality, meet the gig economy reality. There's a lot of worker adjustment that needs to be done or matching the worker needs adjustment that needs to be done from a government perspective, for sure. Yeah. So Cheryl, what I'm hearing you say is that before where, you know, whether it was businesses or governments were very prescriptive in how things had to be done. What's happening now is that the citizens, the people, the workers are saying to both governments and businesses, this is what we expect and this is what we want. And from a brand perspective, the brand power is shifting from the you know, governments and employers back down to the people. Would you say that that's a, a, a fair assessment? I, I would say that's very, very accurate. So just like corporations are being worker-led, mm. government is being citizen-led. Yeah. 
So where we'd like to believe, like, for example, in Canada here, we'd like to believe that we are a democracy and we're very fortunate. We have health care. You know, we are. I feel the way we as a country have operated during this pandemic has been stellar. So we are very, very fortunate. Also, though, um, as a government employer, if your brand is not matching the competitive brands. So when I've you know worked with government groups and, and done a keynote presentation, their competitors now are Amazon and right. Google and all these tech firms. And if I'm a, a you know a millennial looking to at all my options, and there are many options now, even though we're in this post pandemic, uh, there's a predicted 32 million global worldwide worker shortage until the year 2030. So we are in still when things get to a next normal in competition for talented people. So government needs to be looking at how do we compete with the Amazons, the Googles, the startups in both flexibility, but also in structure so that we can be able to provide the services we need to provide. So I would say, Brad, absolutely becoming more of a focus on the people and go to what the people are wanting and needing versus they have to adapt to us because this is how we work. It's kind of like almost we often, I don't know that we complain, but darn it when customer service turns off their phone at four o'clock, right? And from what you're what you're saying, it sounds like the whole client-led experience will be, well, perhaps those phone lines or customer service lines or whatever will be open longer, right? Because it, it, they are more customer-driven versus shutting down at four o'clock or whatnot. I'd go beyond that and say that because it's citizen-led and because it's worker-led, how are we providing the tools and resources to provide what they need, whether that's a live person or that's a AI or that's mm-hmm. a chatbot or that is a, like, the solution can go beyond having that called person, right? So, so that question is really a great question because typically that would be a question the government would ask. Do we extend the people hours beyond 4 p.m. It's like, well, let's ask a better question. What is the need of the person and what are some of the possible solutions? Are they a person, a chatbot, an AI, a robot? That's the new future of work question. What is the work? What is the need? And what's the best solution? Mm-hmm. That's really what's driving where we're going. Okay. And on that note, what role will human connection and interaction have going forward? as employees, as consumers, as society in in general? Yeah, so there's, you know, there are fear mongers out there that would say the robots are coming and they're taking over everybody's jobs and you're not going to need people anymore. The research we have found is, is that's not true. In fact, World Economic Forum is saying that people are more important than ever before. However, the reason there's that narrative around the robots are coming is because it's driven by fear of skill level matching future reality. So what you have is a bunch of people that need to be upskilled and reskilled in order to leverage technology to enhance the services that we're giving to people. So really, it's more human than ever before. And in that very human future, that means we as brands have to be looking through that lens of how does this help humanity? How does this help people? And if we're a brand and we're thinking, you know, I would say in the past, many organizations focused on profitability. Um, I think if anything, this pandemic is forcing all of us to go, okay, wait a second, look at the effect of us all pausing on the environment. Mm. So how do we build a more sustainable future? And does our brand adhere to sustainability? 
And we also have found that people have found more about people in dealing with their life realities. So how do we be more compassionate leaders to people's personal circumstances? So the automation and the roboticized future is actually forcing us to be better human beings. And humans are going to be needed and our skill development needs to be around two things. Number one, yes, we need to increase our technology adaptation, but number two, we got to be better human beings. We got to up our empathy. We got to up our emotional intelligence. We've got to up our understanding of how to work as a me as well as a we. And I think that's an exciting opportunity for the future. Yeah. And Cheryl, it's interesting that you say that because I think that branders and marketers would always say, well, we've always listened to consumers and, and they would be right in that assessment. Yeah. And they have been listening, but but I think how they have to listen might have to be different in the future. So before where they listened to how people buy or why they buy, I think the listening now has to be what motivates them to buy or what motivates them to even participate with a brand or, or choose a brand. So it, 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 it's almost like having to go in and listen at a much deeper level. You talked about being a better human. I think we have to be better branders and marketers as well. We have to listen in a different way. We have to listen with less of our expectations, you know, because there's kind of two ways to listen. You can listen and wait for the person to acknowledge all the things they are already thinking, or you can just go in with a blank mind and listen and actually hear what the person is saying. And I think that that's the shift that we may have to make in becoming better branders and marketers as human beings. Yeah, I think it's, uh, to your point, yes. So there's, there's what I would call surface listening. So you're listening to see if your point of view is going to be corroborated. Mm. And then there's intuitive listening. And that requires a spaciousness of mind where there's no preconceived notion and there's more around looking for those surprise elements that that person would never, in other words, it's not conscious for them, but it's being picked up by the branding experts. And Brad, I mean, I've experienced that with your team, you and your team, you guys are very good at that. So it's like reading below the level of the surface And being able to intuit the brand promise with the human fulfillment of that promise. I think so there's there's different levels of listening. I think we're now entering an era of that deeper intuitive listening where it's focused on what's the human element here where the brand is going to meet a human need. So talking about, you know, brands and, and what, you know, brands can, can do going forward, especially after this pandemic, this is really kind of a new territory for everybody. But you talked a lot about how the way people work is, is changing and will change in the future. And that's, you know, that's going to put a lot of pressure on some of the businesses, the government, brands as well. So how do you think businesses and brands and quite frankly, the government can thrive in the future? Because with all this additional flexibility, I mean, there is a cost connected to that, right? So whether it's, you know, technology costs or just rearranging things. So that's, that's a huge task. So how do you think they can deal with that? I think it comes down to what we do at Next Mapping, which is expanded leadership capability. It really requires a new adaptable leadership mindset to start with. So first of all, what the pandemic has forced is the realization that we have to all be more adaptable. So that it's, it's a forced disruption that has caused businesses to pay attention, which is really interesting because pre-pandemic, you could have a bunch of experts like myself going around saying, the sky is falling and everybody's going, yeah, yeah, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. 
right? Instead, we now have a real life disruption that everybody's feeling the painful points of that. So you have two choices in that change, in that disruption. You can ignore the pain and continue as planned as you've done pre-pandemic. And and that's a choice. And that choice could lead you to A, be non-relevant in the future as, as a business. B, have you be open to acquisition or takeover because somebody who is more agile or more willing to adapt is going to be ahead of the game. In the response to the pain points, in the past, I would say as a strategic expert that the argument would be, well, this is going to cost too much money to make this change. And I think the new argument is, what's the cost of not making the change? And the data and the and the validity of that and being, because in my experience, a lot of leaders get very rigid and fixed in their position around the ego. I know because I've had 20 years of experience. Well, guess what, leaders? You, we, none of us has any experience for what's happening right now. And the only thing that's going to move us forward is the willingness to say, I don't know, but we've got a team full of really smart people. And together, we're going to open our minds. We're going to crowdsource. We're going to up our leadership skills so that we are more adaptable, flexible, that we can intuit, that we can morph, we can pivot on what's going on. And strategically, the cost of not making the change is our very viability in the future. What's interesting about what you're saying is kind of what I'm hearing from people talking either in our industry or just in general. It's, yes, it's businesses and government and brands that have to step up. But what I'm hearing as well is that people are actually realizing that they can't just simply have all that flexibility without being flexible themselves, right? They need to adjust to the new reality as well. And, you know, and I'm not sure if that's just right now, because everybody realizes we're in the middle of this pandemic and everybody kind of needs to pull together. My hope is that with that change that, you know, people will be a little bit more aware as well, because we'll see businesses close doors because of what's going on right now. But I think that a lot of them that will survive and actually will go forward, there is that flexibility, I think, coming in from all sides that I really think will actually help develop this new future that we're kind of all going towards. Uh, no question. So one thing I want to make really clear is we're not talking that about when we talk about worker-led economy or a worker-led business, we're actually talking about mutual accountability. So anybody that as a worker to survive, you're certainly not going to survive saying, well, I hold all the cards, Mr. Employer, and now you're going to do whatever I tell you to do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's a mutual accountability. So the workers that are willing to upskill, reskill without waiting to be for their employer to do that for them. You know, in other words, being that lifelong learner and saying, I'm going to take charge of my knowledge and my learning so that I can be the most adaptable and the most flexible and help the company pivot. So there's a mutual accountability going on. What needs to, you know, yes, we're talking about the employers, but even now with people that are not working right now, I'm positive in the, this is anecdotal research, not, not anything that I have in writing, but I'm positive with the people that I've talked to that there's, there's a wake up call happening right now. Mm-hmm. And part of that wake up call is very similar to like, I've been around a while. So I went through the 1980s. I started my career when interest rates were 22% and people were losing their homes. You know, I went through the nineties when we had that, you know, the, 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 the war and we, so the people that are willing to see these, these things as these, these disruptions as wake up calls, they then take it and go, what do I need to learn? How do I collaborate? How do I cooperate? How do I maximize my skill? How do I help other people succeed? 
those are the questions that as individuals, if we ask ourselves them, we're going to have lifelong job stability or work stability. But if you're sitting back and you're going, well, you know, the government's going to take care of me. Well, that that's just pure lunacy. That That's yeah. not taking responsibility for your role in creating your own future. Creating that future is really what is in the hands of all of us. I mean, you know, as, as one of the top future of work influencers, you must see this all the time, that people create the future, but they can change it as they go along. So there's still a lot of opportunity, even though we're going through a very tough period in history and a tough time, quite different than other tough times we've had in the past, but we still have to kind of dig down deep into the same areas that we have in the past to get ourselves through it. But coming out of this, that ability to thrive and not just survive is going to be key to the people who who do well in this next piece of the puzzle. And, and I think that it's really powerful when you mix everything that you're saying about the future of work with what branders and marketers need to do to support all of that, because that's exactly right. The messaging has to be aligned. The positioning has to be aligned. You can't have all of these people working in these situations or living under these governments. And then marketing and branding stays exactly the same it was as it was before. So it's, it's really about all of us kind of looking at everything in totality and understanding that in order to thrive and in order to do those things, we really have to do the three things that you said. We have to have better leadership. We, those of us who are leaders, we have to be better leaders and we have to expect more from our leaders if, if we're not in a leadership position. Uh, we have to be better branders and marketers and better at our jobs and, and more willing to be accountable and expect accountability as well. And then finally, to your point, we have to be better human beings. We just have to be better human beings. And I think that that's ultimately what this comes down to. And this is what we can take from all of this. Cheryl, thank you so much for your time. You know, we're, we're really happy to have you on here. We're so happy to talk about the future of work and the future of brand and melding those two things together. So thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So everyone, that's Everything is Brand for this week. Join us next week and we'll have a whole new topic and the team will be discussing it in a lot of detail. And remember, everything is brand. Thank you.